You guys can be seated. <clears throat> Good morning, Gateway. I just want to thank the band. I know I'm not supposed to do this, but thank you guys for what you do to lead us to the throne. Um, it is a blessing. This morning I have been asked to just share testimony of how God has been generous in my life, and um, I'm excited to do that. <clears throat> when I was asked to do this, I, I'm a little bit nerdy. I like to look up definitions, um, and so I immediately went, you know, get your little phone out, Google, what does generous mean? And I knew what it meant, um, but I saw it in a different light through some of the things I was reading um, one definition that kept coming up over and over was liberal in giving and open-handed. And I'm a visual person, and just to picture God's hands opened to us, to me personally, um, it's just how I want to share testimony with you that he has been so open-handed in my life. Um, so how has God been generous to me? Um, the first way I want to share is just through financial provision. Um, almost a year ago when uh, COVID started and works started getting shut down, I was one of the people that was told my job was not essential. And um, for being a self-employed hairstylist and a single mom, um, that immediately kind of created panic the day that we were told we weren't going to be able to work. And <clears throat> Literally, excuse me, <clears throat> literally immediately that day, I got a phone call from a, a friend here at church that just said, what do you need? And I kind of got to share my testimony with that last year. Um, but to follow up to that, I was off work for seven weeks. Um, I don't typically get seven weeks paid vacation, um, but, and it wasn't paid vacation, but the Lord just provided every single day for me and my daughter, um, it got to be really overwhelming. And I just started writing down everything that started coming through for us. Um, people were Venmoing me daily. People were texting me, what do you need? I'm going to the grocery store. Um, I had a client show up at my house. She didn't even know where I live. She texted me for my address. I thought she was going to mail a card. She literally showed up like 30 minutes later with a check. And I just began to see the Lord's open-handedness to me, his generosity. Um, the week before I was scheduled to go back to work and I was texting everybody and getting everybody back in, um, I thought, you know what, I just want, I'm curious. I want to know what that amount was that God blessed us with. And um, I did all the math and literally to the dollar, it was what I would have made those seven weeks I was off work. And that is the generosity of God, yes. Um, <clears throat> still makes me cry. Um, last week when Scott was talking about how has God been rich towards you, the very first thing that came to my mind outside of that story was God's comfort. Um, he has been so open-handed in his comfort to me in this last year. Um, my dad passed away in October of 2019, and um, that was life-altering for me. That was, that was um, it was expected, but it wasn't, it, you're just never ready for it. Um, I've learned the phrase to be true, grief is a roller coaster. It ties and lows, and um, every day there's a different memory. Um, 
I shared with the first service, anytime I go to trim my guy client's eyebrows, I just, one day I just lost it. And it's because my dad had the nastiest eyebrows. And so I was the keeper of the eyebrows. And so just little things like that bring up memories of my dad and the good times. And grief can be lonely um, unless you've experienced it. It can be very lonely at times. And so how God has been generous in his comfort towards me. I had a friend that was sharing his journey of counseling, and I thought, oh, good for you. Um, I, I don't know that I'm there yet. And then my best friend was nudging me and just saying, hey, I think this this grief journey is bigger than than what you can handle on your own. And, and so um, that led me to a counselor I've been seeing for the last um, year here in Blue Springs, and, and she has just been amazing how she shares these tools with me that really help me walk that journey out. And the comfort that comes in that has been overwhelming, God's generosity. Um, She's given me tools to walk through this journey victoriously. Um, I'm not perfect at it, and I still have days that are really hard, but I've seen God's generosity through comforting me through other people that have walked the road or just people pulling alongside of you saying, hey, I'm, I'm walking this with you. I, I may not understand it, but I, I'm, I'm here with you. Um, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be able to be here if it wasn't for God's comforting me through, through that season of, and the season. And then lastly, another way that I've seen um, God's open-handedness to me is through the journey of adoption and, and parenting. And Um, I'm a single mom. Um, I never wanted to be a single mom. And I would look at other single moms and say, great for you. That is not my story. I did feel called to adopt, but I told God I'll do that when when I get married. And um, he just wouldn't let let me go with that. And so here I I am now. I'm a single mom, um, four and a half years into the spiciest little girl. Um, And I apologize now if you're the brunt of her spiciness. But um, she has been God's open-handedness in my life. Um, the village that God has given me to walk out this journey of parenting has been amazing. And again, if you know my child, it takes a village. Um, the unconditional love of this little girl that I did not give birth to, just out of the blue. I love you, Mommy. I love you, Mommy. When I'm just ready to pop her head off, um, she just pours this love onto me, and I've come to know the Father in a way I've not known before being a parent. The other way I've seen God's open hand in this through this journey is just the beautiful story of redemption that is in our home every single day. Um, this little girl could have very well had a, a different outcome. Her birth mom had made other choices in her life, and she she could have had a different outcome, and now there's this story of redemption that I get to look at every single day of a child that was brought into this full and abundant life, not because of me, but because of God's generosity to her. So in that, I've experienced a lot of the open-handedness of God, but through that, I've, I was also asked, how do I experience the freedom to walk that generosity out? With God's provision financially, I don't have to worry now. I don't have to do the math. I, I, sometimes it's week to week. Sometimes it's day to day in, our, in, our, in my job. And I don't have to sit there and count up my clients and see, is this amount of clients going to pay the bills this week? Because God has been faithful, and he'll be faithful again. 
He'll be faithful again. So I have the freedom to give, and I have the freedom. There's always leftovers. Every week, there's always leftovers to share. How I've been able to live free, freely with comforting. Um, counseling has been very powerful and very freeing in my life. Um, I sometimes get to use those tools that I've learned daily with people sitting in my chair. I was thinking about it last Mother's Day. I had... Um, I just kept thinking of all these friends and clients and neighbors in my life that had lost a parent within that that year time frame. I knew personally 10 women that had lost their mother from that the Mother's Day before to this one, and three of them were my neighbors. And so having experienced the open-handedness of God's comfort in my life, I was able to share that um, with others. When you've been touched by that comfort, you want to share it with others. I remember having clients sit in my chair after my dad died, and they're like, oh, yeah, my dad died 15 years ago. I've known this person for 15 years, and I didn't know their dad had died. So the doors that have opened up because of walking through that trial and receiving the open-handed generosity of God through comfort has been huge. Um, When you go through a trial, it's not just for you. It's for God to use it to bless other people. God does not waste pain in our life. And then just lastly, how has um, being a parent and walking through that adoption allowed me to live free? Um, By saying yes to God's plan and God's purpose for me and Amelia, it's shown me that I don't have to be in control of how I think my life should look because my life does not look like how I think it should look right now. But there's a freedom in in surrender and a freedom and knowing I don't I don't have to be in control. He's got it. And um, if you know my daughter, you know that when she walks in the room, joy just explodes out of her. And there's just such a freedom in watching her little life like light up a room. And and to know that I could have missed that if I wouldn't have received God's generosity in my life. So it doesn't look like how I thought it would, but he's proven time and time again to me that it's so much more. Living in generosity with open hands ushers you into a life you never knew could be yours. And this morning I was just laying in bed thinking about sharing testimony and the scripture, Psalm 8411, came to my heart. For the Lord God is our sun and shield. He gives us grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those that do what's right. Thank you, Amy. Um, In the middle of uh, us meeting at First Bible Baptist in the evenings, I remember feeling very strange getting a haircut on a Sunday morning when you're supposed to be in church. But Amy was so gracious and let me bring my son in and she trimmed my eyebrows because they're a bit crazy sometimes. So (laughs) she is gracious. with her generosity, and, and I've been a recipient of that as well, and it is, it is a cool thing to see God work in people's lives. We are, my name's Adam, I'm one of, one of the pastors here. Uh, we're in the middle of a, of a sermon series called God's Economy, and the idea being this, that we wanna look at um, our world and, and, and our finances and the things that God's given us through the lens of God and not through the lens of man. If we look through the lens of man, we see greed, we see personal desire, we see profit. 
But if we look through the lens of God, we see generosity, we see richness in love, we see value. And so that's the lens we wanna look through. And so uh, our first week, Zach, Zach spoke about the supply. God has supplied us with everything we have. Amy's story just declared that. God's given us all that we need. And then last week, Scott brought the message of because of this supply, now God calls upon us to then give or to live richly towards God and towards others, to live generously, to live in freedom. And then today we're gonna to talk about another economic term. Uh, it's one called production. Production. What does it mean? What does the Bible have to say about it? And how can we live lives of production, product, productive lives in this world today? Those are the three questions we wanna answer. What does production mean? What's the Bible have to say about it? And how do we go about living productive lives in this world? Let's pray together before we dig in. God, I thank you. I thank you for gathering us here. I pray that in this moment you kind of remove distractions, remove our own personal desires or our own personal bents towards what we want to hear and open our ears and our hearts and our minds to hear what only what you want to hear this morning. God, speak loud to us, meet us in your word, and show us how we might go from this place, living lives for your glory. And all God's people said, amen, amen. So the first question, what is production? What, what is production? I, um, before I came on staff here at the church full time, uh, which was a year ago this month, uh, for 15 years, most of you know I worked in banking. Um, being a banker for 15 years, we talked about all these economic terms a lot. But even before that, when I was in college, my undergrad degree is in economics. And so I start seeing supply, demand, production, consumption, and my brain starts fu functioning in a real kind of uh, taking me back to college, kind of giving me cold sweats of like studying things that were uh, a little dry and a little boring at times, right? And so I started trying to think about how do you define production? And so I went back to, to some of the old websites I used when I was in school to, to remember these, these economic terms and some textbooks that I had. And, and I came up with combining some things um, to kind of get it out of the academic world and in, into our world. What is production? And the definition I came up is this, the process of combining inputs to create something of value. It's the process of combining inputs to create something of value. It's the definition of production. But that's the definition of production in man's economy, in, in our world, right? Taking an input, going through a process of some sort and creating something of value that's gonna bring profit, right? Man's economy in the midst of that. And so how do we define production then in God's economy, in the framework of the looking through it in a lens that God would look through it. And the def definition that I've come up with is this. Using the supply of provision from the Lord to build something that's of value to the kingdom of God. So it takes it off of man and puts it on God. Taking the supply of provision, the inputs that God has given us, and building something that's of value not to man, not to ourselves, but to the kingdom of God. How can we take 
the things that God has given us and make something worthwhile out of it. Production. Simple. Inputs go to outputs. God's supply is given to us for a reason. Not so that we might squander it, but so that we might do something with it. Produce something with it. So what does the Bible have to say about production? Grab your Bibles, open up to Genesis chapter two. Second book of the, sorry, first book of the Bible, second chapter. We're still in the creation story here. God has just created man and, uh, and woman, and he, in verse 15 of chapter two, says this, the Lord took God, or the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. So from the very beginning, from, from the second chapter of the Bible, we see that man has the ability and the task set before him to work. Places him in the garden to work it and to keep it. Man has the capacity to work and the calling upon their life to work. When we think of work today, I don't want you to think of vocation. I don't want you to think of your occupation. I don't want you to think of those things. I want you to think in the terms of production. What are you creating when you're working? What are you creating? Not just so that ends meet, but what are you building that's of value in your work, whether it's vocationally or otherwise? What are you building? What are you producing in your work? It's in our makeup. It's how we are created. Jump back one chapter, Genesis chapter one, verse 27. It's not too far back. In fact, in my Bible, it's on the same page. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God created man in his own image. He created us in his image. He created us to have his nature. We are to be like him. We are made up of the same stuff as him. We're created in his image. He created us to look and to act like him. So if God then in the next chapter tasks man to work, what does that then say about God? God is a God that works. He's not a God that sits back and creates something and then walks away. No, he creates it and he sticks with it. He's a God that works, it's in his nature, it's who he is. And being created in his image, we have the capacity to work because he has the capacity to work. We have the calling upon our lives to work because he has called us to that. Not just to work to work, but no, to work to produce something of value for the kingdom of God. God's greatest work his greatest work was in making a way for us in salvation. And he does that through his son, Jesus. Jump over to John chapter five. Jesus is talking to some Jewish leaders who are questioning why he was, his followers and why Jesus was working on the Sabbath. And in John chapter five, verse 17, it says this, Jesus kind of finishes his conversation with them 
by saying this, but Jesus answered them, my father is working until now and I am working. God has worked from the time of creation to take care of his people. God has worked to take care of his people and he made a way for them to be brought from death to life through his son, Jesus. And Jesus goes to the cross in the most caring act ever and gives his life up so that we might live. Scripture makes it clear that God and Jesus both are working. We are created in their image. It's in our nature, it's who we are, it's what we have inside of us to produce something, to work. Um, I'm not the most handy person in the world, I try every once in a while. Um, In fact, Brennan Delaney called me this week while I was in the middle of uh, rebuilding a toilet. Um, So it finished, it flushes, so we're good. Um, It all works out, but this summer I was, I decided to rebuild my deck. And so my father, um, who is way handier than I am, comes over and we work for a couple of weeks in our free time to tear the old deck out, add on a section, put new decking down, put new railing on. And then what do you wanna do when you finish a project like that? You don't wanna just then move on to the next project right away. No, you wanna sit in a lawn chair on the deck that you just finished and you wanna enjoy it. You wanna enjoy it. This, this is what I did. I built something. It's gonna be of value to me and my family. We can enjoy it. I don't even have good furniture for it. It was just like literally a folding chair on the deck, trying to enjoy it. That feeling of satisfaction that you get when you finish a project like that isn't satisfaction in yourself. Well, it might be, but what it comes deep down from is because God has is indwelled in us his very nature because he created us in his image and we are, can be satisfied in him in our work and in our production. So as we are finishing things and we look upon it, we can be satisfied in that work because we can be satisfied in our God. Satisfaction comes through our work. So we've been created in his image. He's called us to work because he works. He makes a way for us. And we can be satisfied in our work in him. And so what else does scripture have to say? Jump forward a few more books of the Bible. We're just working our way through here this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Paul is writing to, uh, to the church in Corinth. They're questioning um, some of the religious laws of the time of what you can and cannot eat. And Paul is, try- Paul is trying to clarify with them how they should go about things. And he ends his argument by saying this, whether you eat or drink, right? Because that was their question. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whether you eat or drink, comma, and let me just fill in the gap, Paul says, whatever you do, your whole life, everything that you have, do it all for the glory of God. Jump forward a few more books, Colossians chapter three, verses 23 and 24. 
It says this, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. The work that we do is a service to the Lord. But, but not only is it a service to the Lord, Paul says it's for his glory. The things that we work towards, the things that we produce, our efforts, whatever they might be, should not only be a service to God, but they should proclaim the glory of God in the way that we do them. We work for his glory. We produce for his glory. Why? Because he worked for our salvation. He made a way for us. If he didn't do that, everything would be for nothing. But he made a way. And so then we can step into that and go, how do I, how do I work? How do I produce? How do I make something of value for the kingdom of God that brings glory to his name? So what's our response? Whatever you do, bring glory to my name. You've been created in my image. You've been created to work. So what's your response? A few more questions of reflection for us this morning. The first question is this. Do you even recognize what God has provided? Do you recognize what God has provided. Remember our definition of provision, taking the supply, or of production, taking the supply that God has given us and building something of value to the kingdom of God. I can't make something of value if I do not know what I have in my supply beforehand. Right, practically. I can't make something over here if I don't know what I have over here. My inputs have to then equate with my output, right? Uh, in college, the, the economics professors always used guns and butter as their examples when they were talking about things, just to simplify things as simple as possible. If you're gonna talk about an economy in some way, you always talked about the production of guns or the production of butter. Today we're gonna talk about butter. I can't make butter without milk. Full fat milk. I can't do it. I can't take water and make butter. It doesn't happen, right? I can't do it. So if I wanna produce something of value for the kingdom of God, I have to recognize what God has supplied me so that then I can go and look and produce something with the things he's supplied me. So often in our lives, we are spinning our wheels trying to produce things that God has not given us the supply for. We're going into debt because we think we need to have a vacation home or we need to have all of these nice things and all of this stuff and God hasn't supplied that for you. And all of a sudden, everything in your life starts to fall apart because of this impending debt. It's not of value to the kingdom of God. We are constantly, every day, trying to produce something. Do you recognize the inputs that God's given you so that you can produce something of value? What can those inputs be? Yes, they can be money. They can be your salary. They can be your income. Maybe God's blessed you 
in such a way that you can produce something pretty cool and amazing. Maybe God hasn't given you the income that you think you might need. But guess what? You can still produce something that's pretty cool and pretty awesome and of value to God. Maybe God's blessed you with time. Maybe in your job you have an hour a day where you can spend time producing something of value of God. Or maybe uh, you're a stay-at-home mom and you've got time. Or maybe you're a stay-at-home dad and you've got time. Or maybe just in your life you are now retired and you no longer have a daily commitment that you have to be at and now you've got time. What are you doing with it? If we don't recognize the supply that God has given us, we're gonna squander it because we're not gonna produce anything of value if we don't know what he's given us. What are your spiritual gifts? If you're a believer, if you're a follower of Christ, scripture says he's given us all spiritual gifts. Do you know what yours are? Do you know what stirs something up inside of you and gets you excited? Are you using it? Do you recognize the supply that God has given us? Do we acknowledge it? Do we give him praise for it? And then the next question is this, what are you producing? Every day, every hour, every minute, every single one of us is producing something. It might not feel like you are, but you are. Are you producing something of value? every day. While you're sleeping at night, your body is producing the rest and the energy you need for the next day to get through it. You're producing something every minute of every day. Do you know what you are currently producing with your life? Are you taking the inputs God has given you or are you reaching for inputs that aren't yours? Are you trying to produce something that's of value for yourself? Or are you producing something that's of value for the kingdom of God? What are you producing? Is it of value? What are your outputs? Married couples, are you producing godly marriages that reflect the gospel every day to your family and to those around you? Or are the people around you going, if that's what being a Christian and being married looks like, I don't wanna be a part of it. Is your marriage bringing glory to God? Parents, are you raising godly families who bring glory to God? Or are your kids seeing and experiencing things that they should not see and they should not experience that aren't gonna produce anything of value for the kingdom? Instead, they're seeing selfishness, they're seeing greediness, they're seeing jealousy, frustration. What inputs has God given you so that you can raise up godly children for his glory, not for your own, not so that when your kids get older, you can go, look how good of a parent I am. But no, you can go, look at how good my God is. Christians, do the people around you recognize 
that you're a Christian? Are you making new believers? Are there people coming to you wanting to know more about Christ? Does your life reflect his glory? Are you building disciples, followers of Christ who are then digging deeper and wanting to know more about who God is and living their life out? Are you a business owner or an employee of any sort? Is your bottom line the most important thing in your life? Or is getting what's mine the most important thing in your workday? Or is it running a business in an upstanding way that brings glory to God, even if it means the profits aren't what they could be? What does it look like for us to produce something that's of value to the kingdom of God? Not of value to to myself or to other men, but to God. What are you producing with your life? One of the aspects, when when I remember back to my economic classes, one of the aspects that we talked about often in production or just any, any sort of economic theory is time. Time plays a part in it. And so for us, If we say, hey, we wanna take the supply that God has given us and create something of value for the kingdom of God, more than likely, it's not gonna happen overnight. There is a time where that production happens. And guess what? It takes effort, it takes work, it takes steadfastness, and it takes trust and faith in God that he will see you through it. So if your marriage is struggling and you wanna, you wanna fix that problem, it's gonna take time. It's not gonna happen overnight. If your desire is to see your kids to grow up in a godly way, well for you, what do you then need to do? Well you need to look at what the supply is that God has given you. Oh, he's given me a couple of hours a week where I could go meet with somebody and dig into scripture and develop a faith of my own that then I can look to my children and go, look at how God has changed me. Look at how he can change you. It's gonna take time. It's gonna take effort. It's not gonna be easy. Work was never designed to be easy. But God calls us to it. And we can step into it knowing that he's supplied everything that we need and he will make a way for us to produce something of value because he's already made a way for us to have new life in him. So the last question is this, what needs to change? What needs to change in your life? in your mindset, in your heart. All of us are producing something every day. We take inputs, we create outputs, we take God's provision and we produce something with it, even if we don't even recognize it. So we have a choice to make. Are we gonna keep producing the same old things? Are we gonna ask God, what do you want me to produce? What do you want me to make? What do you want me to create with what you've given me? 
If we want to live our lives for the kingdom of God, we have to know God and we have to live in his kingdom. The way that we do that is by digging into God's word. The way we can know God here today is through his word. The way we can know God here today and to learn how to live in his kingdom today is to be a part of a community of believers, of a a group of people who are like-minded, who lean into each other and encourage one another to produce something of value. We have those opportunities. It's it's why we do life groups. It's why we do discipleship classes. It's not just so that we can say we've got a program for us to run. It's no so that us as a church, a body of believers of Christ who've come together, we can say, look, let's go read scripture together and let's encourage one another to spur one another on to produce something of value for the kingdom of God. God's calling us to produce things, to, to work Join in on it. What has God provided to you? What are you producing? And what needs to change in your life today? God made a way for us to be in relationship with him through his son. Surely that's enough. That's worth everything that we have. Because of that, we are compelled to produce something of value with our lives. We've been created in God's image. He is working even today, and our lives can reflect that work. Why? For his glory. Not for our own. For his glory. We can praise God in all that we do, whether we're eating or drinking or whatever we're doing, as we're producing, we can give God the glory, we can lift his name high, we can praise him, and we can reflect him to the world around us. The worship team's gonna come, and we're gonna sing a song um, that declares the, the verses we read at the beginning of the service, that Christ is all around us. He searched us and he knows us. Today, right here where you're sitting, Right here, right now, all of the things in your mind and in your heart where you're going, I don't, I, I don't think I can do this. God knows you're questioning. Right here in the spot where you're sitting, where you're going, this is nothing. I don't want to even think about this anymore. God knows you're thinking that. Or right here, right now, when you're, something's stirring inside of you and you're going, I want to make something more with my life than what I've been doing. God knows that's stirring in your heart. Lean into it. He wants to meet you right here, right now. This song says this. It says, Christ is before and behind. He's above and below. He is all around us. And our desire as Christians is for the world to see that. Our desire is that we live lives that are productive for the kingdom of God so that we can reflect Christ all around us not just to our wives or to our family, but no, to our communities, to the people we are interacting with on a daily basis. Do you recognize what God's given you? Do you recognize what you are or aren't producing? And what needs to change? Ask God to meet you right now. 
and to change you. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be a cakewalk. But he's called us to work. Why? Because he works and we're created to be like him. It's in our nature. It's who we are. And we can be satisfied in that. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for the work that you've called us to. God, as we, as we worship, as we sing this song, as we reflect on what you've laid before us, remind us of what you did for us on the cross. Remind us of the new life you've given us, of how you didn't give up on your people. Remind us of what you've supplied us. Remind us of, of what we can produce. God, and we trust you. We have faith that you will complete the work. So God, meet us right here, face to face. In your name. I love the bridge to that song. It says this, your life, your death, your blood was shed for what? For every moment. Every moment. Not just while we're here in church, not just in the good times, not just in the bad times, but for every moment. Your life, your death, your blood was shed for every moment. Christ's life and death made a way for us to have a relationship with God. It made a way for us to not spend eternity in hell, but spend eternity to, in heaven. But here's the deal. It gave us new life that starts today. Right now, we can choose to live in it. We can choose to go and live it, to produce families, marriages, disciples that all bring glory to God. God has given us all that we need. And in his son, Jesus Christ, it comes to its largest fulfillment. He is worthy of all that we have. He is worthy of all that we have. So let's go live lives worthy of that gospel message. Let's go take the supply he's given us and produce something that's of value to the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Thank you guys so much for coming. We'll see you next Sunday. Um, apparently there's a game tonight. Go Chiefs. See you guys.